Hey everyone, welcome to Not Another Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here listening to this today. Thank you. Um, today on the show, we're going to be talking with Stephanie Duger, who's a psychotherapist, a parent coach, an educator, and works with expectant and new parents and their little ones. She's actually written a book that came out in 2020 called Preparing for Parenthood, 55 Essential Conversations for Couples Becoming Families. And it's the book she wishes she had when she became a parent. And I wish that I had before I came, <laughs> I became a parent. She also facilitates parents' workshops and is currently editor-in-chief of an academic journal of pre- and perinatal psychology and health. Dr. Duger lives in Colorado with her husband and two daughters. And on this episode, we talk about the transition from couple to family and what happens in the months leading up to preparing for a baby and how little typically we spend thinking about how this change will affect our relationship. And we plan for baby and we buy all the things and we have the baby shower. And then the baby comes and uh, Dr. Druger will explain more. But what basically happens is a lot of couples struggle at that time because they weren't prepared for how it's actually going to be. I don't think there's any way to actually be prepared for a baby. But they didn't spend the time talking to each other about different types of scenarios, how things are going to change, how they can best support each other. And so it's been reported that a lot of couples really struggle. And I think it's so important to talk about this and normalize this and share that if you're planning for another baby or you're pregnant, there are things you can do with your partner to prepare yourselves for the transition that your relationship will ultimately go through. It's particularly hard in the newborn days to find a sense of normalcy in your life at all. And a lot of people find that Months go by and they've been co-parenting with their partners. They've been sharing the responsibility of the baby, navigating it together, but they feel like they've lost a sense of their self and their relationship as a whole. And I know firsthand that this completely happened for us when baby came. We were so focused on the birth and preparing the house and getting all the things. And we heard it was going to be hard, but I think the optimism in me was like, no, it's going to be fine. Like, we're going to get, we're gonna, we have such a strong relationship. You know, nothing's going to break us. And uh, the baby came and I mean, we were, we were splitting the night in shifts and then he was going to work during the day and then he would come off work and then he would take over for baby so I could shower. And we just became passing ships. And after months of this and after months of sleep deprivation, we really missed each other and we really missed communicating and connecting and dating each other and all these things. And it's so normal for that to happen. So in this show, we're going to talk about before the baby comes, things you can do as a couple to prepare yourself for this transition. And then after baby comes, how to kind of prepare for that time. And we talk a lot about intimacy and how that will change and evolve in your relationship from pregnancy postpartum and beyond. And, and you know, without further ado, I want to get to the conversation, but that's what you can expect on this episode. If, you loving, if you're loving the show and the, this particularly the motherhood content that I've been trying to put out over the last like six months or so, head over to iTunes, give us a rating and review. It's so helpful to get other people uh, aware of the show and um, listening to the podcast with you. So thanks for that. And without any further ado, Dr. Stephanie Druger.
Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited to have with me Stephanie Duger. Hi, Stephanie. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Natalie. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm so excited to pick your brain and talk about all that you've done um, in your book. And before we dig into the meat of the episode, I would love to know, is there anything that you've completed that has fallen on a bucket list lately or something you're proud of that you'd like to share? Um, lately, I would say, um, just having published the book, but previously in my life, one thing that was on my bucket list was, um, scuba diving. And I, I got certified as a scuba diver because I really wanted to explore another world underwater. And so I've really enjoyed doing that throughout my life. Oh my gosh. Where, where did you get certified? Um, I got certified in college. They just had a program, a class in college. And um, I've been fortunate to be able to explore underwater worlds all over the world, which has been really fun. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. What is the like, one that stands out? It's like a really great place you would say if you're scuba diver, you have to check it out. Um, probably my favorite was the Coral Sea off of um, Australia. So way beyond the Great Barrier Reef. They take you out for hours and hours overnight on the boat. And it is, or was at that time, the most pristine, beautiful place. Just animals everywhere. And um, wow. yeah, just so colorful, so fun. That's so cool. I actually have got, I've, I've gotten my scuba. It's been so many years since I've actually gone, but that feeling of being submerged so deep below the water and then just realizing how much life is there is so cool. Yeah. Totally different world, right? A good perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. That's super cool. Um, I, so I really wanted to have you on and, and this is very timely because my husband and I were talking about how hard it is to have children mm-hmm. on our relationship and just generally how we've navigated it and talking about the future and mm-hmm. how we can be better. And it was such a little thought in our minds when we got pregnant that what what would a baby look like for our relationship? And finding out that you wrote your book, Preparing for Parenthood, 55 Essential Conversations for Couples Becoming Families. Um, it's so comforting. I wish I had had it back then. So I'd love to hear, <laughs> you know, why why did you get into this work and what inspired you to write the book in particular? Yeah, well, thanks for asking that question because I really wish I had had this book also. <laughs> um, so my husband and I are both psychotherapists and I had spent my entire life working with families and children. And Um, I'm an avid reader. I'd read like every book I thought out there on getting ready for, you know, being a parent and having a baby. And it was so humbling to then have a baby and feel so overwhelmed, Um, not just overwhelmed by the needs of having uh, a child to take care of 24 seven, but, um, it really put our relationship in the backseat and everything became really focused on this little human being. And we, you know, we're so grateful and so excited to have this baby and we were mature when we had our baby, but it was, um, it was really eye opening, like, um, crushingly eye opening, <laughs> um, 
of how hard it was for the two of us. And, and we were resourced. And so I was just really thinking like, is it just us? Like, how does everybody seem like they're doing fine? And I started asking questions of friends. Um, and then I was seeing clients who had had babies and everyone was coming in essentially in tears. Like, this is so hard. Um, it must be just me. Everyone else seems like they've got it together. But under the surface, people were suffering. And um, I wanted to do something to help. I was like, there's got to be a way to help support people um, so that they know once they're in this secret parenthood club that no one really tells you about. <laughs> Um, that there are ways that you can actually prepare for it, not just prepare for birth, which is hugely important, not just prepare for, you know, having a good pregnancy, which is obviously really important as well, but to prepare your relationship for this huge transition, because um, it really like two thirds of relationships take a significant dive. Um and, you know, research has shown this again and again, um, that if you're in a relationship, um, it's exceedingly hard when you have a baby and it lasts, you know, the, the effects last. It's not, it's not just, it's hard for the first month. You know, this is, um, this is something that impacts people for months and months, sometimes years. Um, and so having tools going into um, parenthood, having tools and having these hard questions, you know, hard conversations and asking hard questions of each other before you get into it, I think is really, really helpful. Um, because once you're in it and you're sleep deprived and maybe you have more than one and they're both little and it's a lot, it's really challenging, right? Um, and so um, my hope in writing this book was to reach as many people as possible and invite them to have these hard conversations prior to becoming parents and being sleep deprived and being probably a little edgy, you know, as we all are when we're underslept or under-resourced um, in hopes that you will have already thought about these big pieces and had these conversations and have a plan for how to talk about other hard things that come up. Mm. So, so that so was really the intention. It's so validating to hear that. It brings me back to those early days. Um, I remember this feeling of mourning that I was like missing my relationship and my partner and the simplicity of it. Mm -hmm. And even sleeping together in the same bed, we were separating and taking the night and shifts and yeah. Like I haven't seen him or connected <laughs> and so much of our energy was going into the schedule and you become almost like caretakers and you're passing data back and forth. Okay. Bottle at this time. Da, da, da. Right. Um, it's just so validating to hear that obviously this is not right. Just us. It's, it's mm -hmm. a really big transition. And so I love that you mentioned having these conversations before, cause I think you're right. Like we don't focus on we focus on the baby gear. We make a registry. We get right. gifts and we plan for birth. And then everything after just kind of looks, it's an afterthought. Right. So this book you have written to give to couples before in preparation, almost like it reminds me of the, the New York Times questions to read before you marry someone. Exactly. Like exactly. Trending 
Like you have to talk about this hard stuff before. Um, is that kind of what you expect? So like this should be in your hands when you're pregnant, even before. Yeah. Like I see it as like a, you know, a baby shower gift. (laughs) Um, and, and hopefully even, you know, you could use it even before you get pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. So the whole first third of the book is really hard questions to have with your partner, period. Right. Like how do you communicate? How do you do with, how do you deal with conflict? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and really getting kind of the nitty gritty down, um, because it is so hard once you're in it. Um, it really, like you're speaking to, it becomes about the business of parenting, right? Like you're, you're co-parents now. You're no longer partners. Even though you are still partners, it's like everything kind of sits in the back. And um, especially in this society, I feel like um, I can't speak to other um, other societies where there's more inherent support. Um, but in this society we're we're pretty isolated, right? And that's another, another big piece that obviously was, um, extremely highlighted during the pandemic. Um, and just trying to imagine families going through this transition completely isolated and alone and how challenging, that is for people. Um, whereas I had, um, given birth prior to the pandemic. So I had a little more option for support, but still, Mm. um, you really have to reach for it, Mm -hmm. right? You're really having to get out there and you don't often have that energy. You're, you're Mm -hmm. so focused, right? You're, probably nursing your baby and you're, you know, changing diapers and you're trying to sleep and you're just trying to figure it out. And so reaching out for help at that point, I think is really hard for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of energy. And um, that includes reaching out to your partner, right? And so um, often there's one partner who's out, who's still working, maybe after they've gotten a little bit of leave time, hopefully, but at some point, usually somebody's going back to work um, and they come home. I, I won't ever forget my husband coming home at one point, And it, I know a lot of people can relate to this um, coming home. And it had been just one of those days. Like I had not showered. I was still in my bathrobe Um baby was crying. The house was a mess. I don't think I'd eaten all day. I mean, it was like he walked into, um, you know, kind of a, (laughs) a time capsule of what it can be like. And, and looked at me and was like, what did you do all day? (laughs) And, and I know this is not unusual and, and we laugh about it now, but I was so upset. You know, I was Mm -hmm. like, what did I do all day? I took care of our child nonstop. Right. And, and it led to a a pretty intense heated argument, right. Where I was like, you just don't get it. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people go through that where there's just this disconnect between the outside world and what's happening in your home. Um, And so had we had some of these conversations beforehand He might've been at that point, a little more sensitive of like, Hey, looks like it's been a hard day. How can I help? (laughs) You know, just, just little things like that um, can make just such a huge difference. 
And it's one of those things that is really hard to wrap your head around until you've gone through it, right? Right. And I think people are very optimistic and they Mm -hmm. see people and the images of new mothers and families and with their babies smiling. They have the newborn photos and everyone looks just... And and this is what really gets me, the captions that are just... um, you know, we're so over the moon and we, you know, we've never felt love like this before. And one month with our little ray of sunshine. And that's like what (laughs) the message is getting put out. And so if I were me, you know, I'm looking like, oh, that doesn't look so bad. Like the baby brings love and it's beautiful. And like, I would, I never had thought about it being a hard time. And so it's like the expectation is is a little fuzzy for what to actually expect. And obviously there's such a range with what a newborn will be like. And mm-hmm. and even preparing yourself for the right support can feel very vague when you haven't gone through it because you just don't know what you're getting into. Right. Right. So it's like, it's good to look at this not as um, you're going to need, you know, X, Y, and Z, but rather like, let's set us up for the best possible outcome. And it sounds like the first part of your book is really just about connecting with your partner, which is aside from all these major transitions, something that we all probably need more of these days. We just need to work on our communication and how we can talk through when, when things are good, right? Like conflict when things are okay um, or relatively stable versus conflict that can come up when you haven't been sleeping and your hormones are crazy. And mm-hmm. it just, yeah, it makes so much sense to me. And I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to get this out for more people. Mm, yeah. And you know, what you're speaking to about the, the image, right. The image of what it's supposed to look like in quotes, <laughs> um, of everything's happy and loving and, you know, the family's so connected. It's, for a lot of people, that's true. And there's also the underbelly of it, right? And then there for for a lot of people who maybe have a baby and you know, lots of people have very traumatic births, and they're suddenly cast into this um, experience where they're feeling disconnected, right? Maybe they're not feeling that love. They're just feeling um you know, PTSD, essentially they're traumatized and they haven't had that experience. And then they're feeling like a failure. Like I, you know, it it must be me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been a parent. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we set people up for a really hard experience when, um, when we show just the positive sides, right. right? And Mm -hmm. so it can be both and, Mm -hmm. or it can be like, why, what's wrong with me? I'm not feeling this. Um, there, there's must be something wrong with me inherently as a parent. Mm -hmm. And, um, so really just letting people know like, Hey, a lot of stuff can happen, um, that you're not expecting. Right. (laughs) So like, I think of what to expect when you're expecting and, (laughs) um, there are other things too. There are so many other things that are going on and there, it's an individual experience for that family and for the birth parent too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, really helping people to feel supported, like you, like you're speaking to, like you, you don't know what you're in for you yet. So let's set you up for any possible scenario that may happen so that you feel ready. Like, okay, I'm having trouble nursing. Like, what do I do? 
okay, have, have some numbers on hand, have some people that you trust in the area who can help with Mm. this because it's so important, right? Hey, baby's not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. What do we do? (laughs) And rather than trying to problem solve right in that Mm. moment to have, have your plan and your plan might shift and change, but to have some place to start feels, I think, empowering for people. Definitely. And one of the things I'm thinking about, which is like something I've struggled with, is how much of, I mean, you find out you're pregnant and it takes two or it takes a lot of, um, yeah, okay, it takes two to create a baby or it takes um, a little bit of science, which is this wonderful that we can even do this without a partner. But let's just refer to the two partner experience now. One person, if they're the carrier of the baby, is going to have such a unique experience from the other. And the burden can sometimes feel, even when the baby's out, um, if one parent is, is primarily feeding or you know, nursing, for example, while the other is there to help, it can feel really imbalanced. So before a baby comes, I'm thinking about just setting expectations for how to support, you know, the person who gave birth with the things that might fall more heavily on their shoulders. What does it look like if they're, you know, fully breastfeeding? Like, how can you support them through that? Or, you know, not just say, well, I don't know. (laughs) My wife is, is taking care of it, I guess. And I don't have to think about it versus like, what are the ways to prepare all these little pieces that can feel pretty imbalanced and can create some rifts like, or like you were explaining your story. (laughs) What did you do all day? And it's like, um, there's just a disconnect too. If you're not the one like living that full experience to to be able to communicate what's going on and what your needs are. And it's so, so hard. So I love your mentioning it's not the best time to do that in the moment. So these are things we can do beforehand. Um, And you mentioned you and your husband are also psychotherapists. So do you, on top of this work with couples who are expecting with talk therapy and anything like that as well. Yeah, and that. yeah I do a lot of, um, my husband works primarily with, with couples and they may be couples who are expecting or just other couples. Um, and I work a lot with expectant and new parents. So um, often I'll see usually moms, expectant moms or um, postpartum moms who maybe had a challenging experience um, or are feeling, you know, just, like they need more support. Maybe they're feeling a little anxious about parenting. Maybe they're um, worried about their relationship with their partner and how that's going. And so I do different, different sorts of combinations. And um, I also work, help the birth parent or parents work with the baby. So sometimes um you know, I, I never want to be the one working directly with the baby because I want the attachment between the, the parent and the baby to be the primary piece. But I'll help that parent build um, connection with the baby. And that's really fun and sweet work. So mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love, you mentioned it's such a range of what you can. Like some people feel really bonded and some people don't and all of it's normal. Right. You know, it all falls on the range of normal and no one is alone in that. And that's like such an important message. Like any experience you have is, is normal because it's your experience and it's true. 
And exactly. Yeah. You don't have to go through it thinking that it's only you and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. And I also want to speak to just the the flip side of the if you're you know, if it's two parents together, um, and like you said, you know, people are having babies on their own with the amazing support of technology now. Um, but if it's two parents together and the parent who's not the birth parent, um, sometimes feels left out too. Right. And, and so I never want to leave that parent out of the loop because they have needs as well. Like, so if, if the birth parent is really focused on baby and all the energy is going there as it really needs to most of the time, um, that other parent can feel a little bit neglected and left out and like, what, what am I doing here? I don't have, you know, I, my whole purpose is just to support my partner. Um, and so really helping them to build a relationship with the baby and, um, to see the importance of their role as well, I think is really critical and help them feel engaged. Yeah. So yeah. I never want to leave out that other person as well. Yeah, no, I, that's so true. And it's like beyond just, um, and, and I think it's hard to remember that I remember being in that in those first couple months and it just feeling like it was going to be forever mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rest of our world. And we're never going to have any kind of normalcy or connection or time or, you know, and it feels like when you're in it, it, it just feels all, so all encompassing. And mm-hmm. it's like, so now to be a little bit on the other side, like two years out, <laughs> like, right. oh no, like it's temporary and, um, and workable. And, you know, we can have time together again when it's not just all about Baby, kind of, <laughs> where we can go on a date night and not talk about our kid the whole time. But yeah, that's so true that um, each person's experience is going to be so, so crucial and so independent and sometimes not feeling so connected to what's going on. Right. Yeah. And I like to tell parents that um, generally you start seeing the light, like you can really see the light at a, about three years. So, <laughs> like, um, oh, good. I'm like, not even there yet. That's <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah. there are obviously um, little flashes of light as you're coming along, and and the light is getting bigger. But it's really around three years when your child is um, often. It's like the time when kids start going to preschool or whatever, where you start feeling like you have more of your life back, right? And and as you're speaking to a lot of people are having kids where they're you know are there are two under two, right? So they're close together and they're not getting the opportunity to see the light yet. (laughs) Um, Our children are five years apart. Um, That's just the way it happened. And, um, and so we got to see the light and then we were back, back in it with one in kindergarten. And so um, (laughs) it was, it was nice to be able to see the light and have a little bit of a breather for us. But um, I know a lot of people are, you know, they're having children close together. And, and so if you can kind of just hold on to like, this is not forever. And, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful in it's, um, chaos, right. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like embracing the chaos when you're, when you have this little one and everything's going all, all the time. Um, and it feels like it will never end. And then all of a sudden they hit school 
and things speed up exponentially. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh no, I want things to slow down. <laughs> um, so we're in that space now of like how fast time is going. It's like warp speed. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good little nugget there. Um, I want to talk about intimacy. Mm-hmm. This is like a big question for people when they go from couple to pregnant, because I think it changes a lot (laughs) for most of us. And no one wants to really talk about how it can change or what can happen or what are ways to work on this part of a relationship. But I know when we talked before this, it came up as something that's you were saying is really important to talk about, prepare for, and I'd love to hear your take on all of all that with when it comes to intimacy. Sure. sure, yeah. So the way I see it, there are um, two foundational pillars to a healthy relationship. The first is really good communication. And the second is intimacy. So if you have really good communication with someone, that could be a friend. It takes the intimacy piece to make it, um, you know, an intimate relationship. So it's one of the first pieces that tends to um, kind of fall off after a baby is born. So there's obviously the physical changes that happen and the recovery time that's needed after a birth regardless of what kind of birth you have. And often, um, you know, you'll hear like, okay, six weeks after birth, you can start having sex again, right? And for some people, that's, um, that's reasonable. And for other people, it's not. And so you might have a partner who's kind of like, counting down the days, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's a long time to not have, um, kind of any touch, right? And and so we think of intimacy often as just sex. And so my whole um, encouragement of people is to find other ways to be intimate, right? So like sometimes we just need to be held. We just need to be like skin to skin. Um, like a massage <laughs> is great, right? Like all these ways that we can give each other healthy touch, that may or may not be sexual, right? And so um, it's it goes a long way. Like filling that bucket goes a long way to preventing arguments. So whatever that looks like. And, and often the birth parent is really touched up. So especially if they're nursing, they're like, the last thing on my mind is to be intimate with my partner. Like I have nothing left to give. I certainly do not want to have sex. Like there can be all this stuff going on for that, that partner. And the other partners like kind of hanging around like, okay, like (laughs) um, I need, I have needs here. Um, And so I think it's, really critical to talk about like, Hey, how do we, how are we going to navigate this in the best of circumstances? Um, and, and how can we, um, invite intimacy in other ways beyond sex, right? So that at least some of those touch needs are getting met and sort of practicing that prior to having the baby. Right. And, 
And again, during pregnancy, some people like your libido might be through the roof or it might flatline. And you never know how that's going to go for anybody. Um, and so it's a great time to practice, right? So like, how do we, how do we um, bring in these other ways of being intimate? It, it may just even be intimate conversation and, you know, eye gaze and things like that, just things that you may not think of necessarily as being intimate, but they're emotionally intimate. Right. And mm. so there's a lot of connection that happens on that level beyond sex. And then there's sex, right? And how do we how do we navigate that when we're not maybe not feeling it? Right. If you're the birth parent and you're like, okay, like I just had a baby. Like my ba- my body has been through so much. I just ran 20 marathons back to back. I'm exhausted. I'm nursing. Um, and I know I should be doing this, but I don't have the desire for it, even though I want to feel connected to my partner. Right. So there's a lot, there's a lot that goes on that often is not spoken about. Right. And so just being real about it, like, Hey, again, this is time limited. Um, how do we navigate making it through these more challenging times when, um, maybe one partner is really wanting to be intimate and the other one is really not. Um, and that it's often a sticking point, right? So to, to just have the ability to communicate about it and be real about it and find ways that will work for both people and make compromises Mm -hmm. where you need to. (laughs) Um, I think all of that is really, really critical. I think it's interesting. Um, I feel like I read this somewhere, how, when parents are bonding with a baby, they do skin to skin mm-hmm. and it's like releases that hormone of bonding, I guess, oxytocin. Yeah. Same with nursing and how it's the same for a romantic relationship, like skin to skin, physical touch, like it, or even intellectual bonding or connection is like releasing the same bonding hormone that you would have as you're bonding with a baby as you would with a partner or just um, it's just so interesting if you look at it on a chemical level, how we, we need that with each other to feel safe and supported. Um, and that it might be a transition of transitional time where it gets to get creative for sure. Yeah. And it, it really is critical. Like if you look at the, you know, the studies of, of babies, you know, the, um, the babies who were born in orphanages or ended up in orphanages and in Russia and places like that, um, where they were keeping the babies alive through food, right? So they had, they had their food needs met, their milk needs met, all of that. And the babies were dying at astronomical rates and they figured out it was because they weren't being held. Mm. And as soon as we brought in, human touch, like nurses were picking up babies and holding them and rocking them. And they were getting that physical contact. They started to survive. And so it's why we brought in things like kangaroo care in, in the NICU and things like that, where the parents are skin to skin and holding the baby. It goes, um, yards and yards. It just goes, you know, forever in terms of helping that baby survive. And it's like, as you're speaking to the same 
for adult humans. Relationship we need survival. that physical <laughs> yeah. touch. And yeah. without it, um, things don't go well physically, mentally, emotionally. They don't. So if we can remember that as you're speaking to, um, if we can remember how important that is for all of us, like we need we need that physical touch and connection um, or we don't, we might survive as adults, but we don't thrive mm. and we need it to thrive. That's a good, that's a good thing to keep in mind, yeah. right? It's not just your partner wanting to have sex with you at six weeks necessarily. I mean, that might be what they think is the way to get there, but being creative in this time and realizing that the need is important right? and exactly. find a way that it works. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's a, that's such a good point. And I don't think that's anyone's first question when you have a baby, like what's your intimacy? Like no one's like really going around sharing that. So, um, I love that. And is that kind of, are there some prompts in your book that touch on how to have those conversations? Cause I, yeah. I know I go with that. Yeah. There's a whole section just on intimacy. So one on communication, one on intimacy and just like, what do you imagine for, and it's hard. I know it's hard to imagine if you haven't had a baby to imagine how that's going to change. Um, because a lot of us just go into it. We're like, well, I have a great relationship with my partner and I can't imagine it, you know, maybe we'll be a little sleepy or whatever, but it'll be fine. You know? Um, but when you really start digging in, it's like, wow, like that, this is one of the hardest places for people, right? It's, it's sleep, it's intimacy, and with those, communication usually takes a nosedive. So um, helping people really have um, build up their strengths and practice before they get into um, the stage of sleep deprivation and new baby needs and all that, um, I think is really critical for people. I've heard this um, on like the internet. I don't know what you think about it, but people are suggesting that the couple become the main priority even above the children. And obviously I don't think we're talking about like newborn um, kids. As you mentioned, there's like a period of time where things have to shift. And um, what do you think about that? Like the couple being the first, the foundation of the family and, and mirroring that and showing the kids that um, mom and dad are a priority or mom and partner or whatever it looks like. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it's um like everything else, a balance. <clears throat> so your children will go through various stages of need, right? And obviously with a newborn, the needs are are very, very high, right? So um putting the couple first and you know, just leaving the baby lying in a room doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really fly. But over time, I think it is really critical to show your children that um, that the couple is really the foundation. And within that, building in flexibility around um, we are taking care of ourselves and our relationship, but your needs are equally important, right? Like your two-year-old needs, your four-year-old needs, your teenager needs are equally important. And we will pause what we're doing to support you and care for you, right? So it's it's a balance. It's not like, hey, you know, the parents are above everybody else and you all can just fend for yourselves. Um, but there is strength in, um, you know, in being a couple in that way 
and in parenting that way, you know, so being on the same page around how you're parenting, like if one parent's only putting the children's needs first and is not paying attention to the partner, that's not going to work. If you're not paying attention to the children, that's not going to work, right? So it has to be a balance of um, maintaining the importance of the couplehood and the kind of the couple bubble there. And at the same time, really, you know, if you're going to bring children into the world, um, my belief is, you know, you, you owe it to them to, to do the best job that you can do and um, meet their needs to the best of your abilities, right? So, like, um, I wouldn't have wanted to bring children into the world if I didn't feel like their needs were just as important as mine, right? So I think it, it's, always, it's always a balance and it's always, it's challenging, right? Balances are always challenging. It's not, to get it right. <laughs> yeah, it's not, um, it's a lifelong practice, I feel like. Mm. And we're yeah. at the stage now in, in our relationship where, you know, in a few years, one of our children will be out of the house, right? And so we're in that stage of like, um, making sure, like, are we still connecting? Because once the children kind of aren't the focus, mm. what do you have left when your children leave right so it's it's interesting to see the whole spectrum of it and how quickly it goes because it really does go so fast um of like okay like are we doing enough to maintain here and and build on our foundation so that it's not you know obviously we'll be sad when our oldest leaves but I don't want to be completely devastated. Like, oh my gosh, like my life is over now that this, you know, like you want to watch your child and feel really good about it. Right. Um, So again, the balance of it, I think is really critical. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned this being a lifetime practice and it's not something you have to be figuring out before you get there because there's just no way. (laughs) <laughs> like right. I don't even I don't even have a two year old yet, so it's so hard to imagine that transition of life. But just knowing that there will be so many others, and practicing the tools to get through all of these transitions together and communicate through it is like really the only thing you can do because you just don't know what it's right. going to be like. Exactly. There. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like life, um, life just throws curveballs left and right. Right. And so you you can only you prepare as much as you can, you plan as much as you can, you do the best you can. And then life happens too. And there's not a lot you can do to control that. You just have to learn to be flexible and roll with things and get creative. And so if you really focus on the communication pieces and staying connected to your partner and, you know, to your children, like to stay connected in those ways, I feel like that's kind of, those are kind of the the golden keys to a lot of, a lot of pieces. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. So my next question for you would be, we've touched on a lot of the pieces for how a couple of people can prepare to bring a baby into the world in whatever way. Um, just to summarize kind of like before the baby comes, the resources they can do. And then after, and like, if you were to give it just other little bits of advice to how to navigate this time, having been through it twice and worked with couples who are going through it, um, what can people kind of like put on their little list of, of things to make sure they prepare for? 
really kind of digging in the same way you hopefully would before you make a lifelong commitment to your partner. Um, you want to, you want to know the ins and outs. You want to know the underbelly, right? And so in my mind, the best way to prepare is to, is to dig into it and not, not get scared of um, the questions and the hard things that can come up. So that would be number one. And then to really make sure that um, you're feeling connected, you're feeling um, strong as a couple, right? And then in terms of um, what to expect, right? Like nobody really knows what kind of birth they're going to have, right? And so to, to go in with, again, like your best preparation and... And then just kind of roll with what happens to the best of your ability because it looks different for everybody to not really know what kind of child is going to arrive. Right. And, and if you're on your second child, not assuming that your second child is going to be just like your first one. In our case, they're totally different. They're similar in some ways, but very different personalities. Right. So it's, what might have worked the first time through might not work the second or the third time through, right? So that, so it's um, such a practice and and being flexible and um, and open. Um, and you know there are there are so many things that you can do. There are courses, there are books, there are, and I just invite people to to go to whatever you gravitate towards, right? So whatever works for you, whether it's a podcast or a book or in-person class or an online class, whatever, to, um, to take advantage of those pieces because they really are helpful. Like you, you get the nuggets out of them. You take what you need and you leave what you don't need. Um, but I think they're super helpful. I love that. I love take what you need. And, and you don't have to read all the books, but which ones are calling you? That's right. good. Because I was the type of person that ordered like all the books and yep. I couldn't possibly get through all of them. I was like, I don't have enough time. Um, yeah. But, you know, I read the ones that called me first and that's what I can take with me. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so to kind of wrap up, I love to touch on like self-care as it relates to and like rituals um, as it relates to motherhood. And I'm sure this has changed for you over the years, but uh, it's a hard thing to navigate for anyone, but I think as a mother, I'm, I struggle with it all the time um, to the point where now I'm at the point where I need to write down all the things that I do for myself that I really enjoy so that when I'm, I can just pull from my list without having to like <laughs> come up with something new. So I love to hear how you kind of stay balanced with balancing work and children and your partnership and yeah. Yeah. And, and it has changed dramatically um, from being a new parent to being a parent in the stage where I am now. Um, but what I remember as a new parent was the, the importance for me of having a community um, and reaching out to that community. So other people who were going through a similar transition that I was going through felt really important. Um, and then getting outside was so important for me. Like that's, that's a huge part of my self-care um, consistently. Um, and so now as a more seasoned parent of two, um, balancing, you know, working and, um, kids school and, uh, a relationship and all of that, um, it's, it's still similar, right? It's, it's just busy. Things are really busy as they kind of always feel, 
And so for me, it's like slowing down enough. Like I want to slow down and be present in my life. And that's a, again, a lifelong practice of not taking on too much, not saying yes to the things that I really don't, don't want or need to do. Um, and some of them I really want to do, but I, I'm like, okay, I have to really think about what's going to make sense here. So slowing down, appreciating, just trying to be really present. Like when we eat, we just sit down and all connect and take a moment before we start eating and we check in about our days. And it's like a really sweet time of connection for our family um, because everyone's so busy, right? Even our, you know, our teenagers, she's got her own life and we don't know half of the the parts of it, right? She's running off here and here and meeting friends and doing this and that. And um, so it's so, it's so critical. I feel like to just try to stay grounded and centered um, and slow down enough in a super fast paced information heavy world where we're just constantly bombarded. And again, for me, part of it is like, I get outside and hike every day. Like that's my, that's my go-to thing. And often I'm with a friend. So I get a couple of needs met in that experience. Um, and then, you know, just having exercise, healthy food, um, and then taking breaks as a family. So we, we like to, you know, go on road trips or whatever we, we try to get away as a family. So having that connection time and having connection time with my husband and all of that feels, you know, there's so many different pieces that go into self-care. Um, but those are really the big ones that are non-negotiable and sleep. I have to sleep every night. Yeah. So <laughs> trickier when you're a new parent, but um, at this stage I can, you can more reliably count on sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. People are like, I know it's hard where you are now, but like, you will sleep again eventually. <laughs> I just don't know when. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it, it almost, it's it's another thing that's like you got to kind of keep up with and but it's going to keep everything else in balance it's like your foundation right like mm -hmm. how do you feel connected to your life and it's just so important yeah um, so i just want to say thank you for doing what you do for helping couples through this i know so many people you know need that kind of support i think everyone actually i don't think it's i don't think anyone is um you know ha has gotten through this stage without, you know, having to navigate and just the fact that you offer these tools for couples to get there and practice and connect is so, so wonderful. And um, I'd love for you to share where people can find more about you and order your book and all of those things. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. And I, I do it because I love it. You know, I, I really enjoy it. I love watching, um, people grow into, you know, couples grow into families and um, new little humans coming onto the planet. It's just really fun. So, um, so my book is available on Amazon. It's preparing for parenthood, uh, 55 essential conversations for couples becoming families, or you can get it on bookshop. If you are anti Amazon, I know some people are. So um, either way you can find it. Um, it's also in the Boulder bookstore if you live in Boulder. Um, and my website is preparedforparenthood 
com, And on there I have, um, you know, courses that I teach, um, coaching that I do. If you are a Colorado resident and you're looking for therapy related to expecting a new parenting, you can find me at a different website because I have to keep them separate. Um, and that website, website is doctor as in dr Duger, like my last name, therapy.com. So that's, that's where you can find me. So I hope that, um, if it resonates with you and you feel like you need support that people can reach out. Yeah. It's just so comforting to know that this is like areas that professionals focus on, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not, you don't have to, um, go to someone and hope that they understand what you're going through. There's actually, you know, people like you who focus on this time period and and in this in particular. So it's just nice that that's the case. And I will link all of that in the show notes. Um, And just thank you so much for speaking with us and for your time and sharing your wisdom. I know it's it's so so pertinent to my life, my relationship. Um, (laughs) We're definitely going to get your book as we prepare for baby number two. So (laughs) we're going to just like kind of do it all over again. Thank you so much for, for having me and, um, and for sharing this. I hope, I hope, you know, like your podcast is amazing. I hope the word gets out to, to everyone so that everybody can get the kind of support that they need. Yes, absolutely. And best of luck on, on baby number two. (laughs) Thanks. It's a whole new phase. I mean, we're like, okay, we get it with one. We got this, you know, how in the world do you do it with two? (laughs) Twice the fun. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And when I see other little siblings together um, who eventually have a good relationship, like that's all you can hope for. So that's kind of what we're hoping for the best. Yeah. It's an exciting time. All right. Thanks, Natalie. 